Hey there listeners, welcome to Horror Movie Club, the show where two dudes who are not quite nerds but not quite noobs choose a horror movie each week to rate and review. I'm Brian, I'm on the phone with Ashvin, and today we are doing a bit of a holiday episode with It's a Wonderful Knife from 2023, directed by Tyler McIntyre, written by Michael Kennedy, starring Jane Widop, Joel McHale, Justin Long, and Jess McLeod. In this Christmas horror film, a year after a tragic event, a teenage girl gets the chance to see what the world would be like if she had never been born in what is a a riff on It's a Wonderful Life. If you're new to the show, we're going to talk about the movie spoiler-free for the first 15 or 20 minutes, but after that, we're going to play some transition music and then flip into a plot walkthrough that is full of spoilers. So if you hear that transition music, it's time to duck out and go watch this on Shudder. And Ashvin, there were quite a few holiday horror films put out this year, like just in the past few weeks, and they're still coming, it feels like. No way. Yeah, there's Nightmare on 34th Street, The Sacrifice Game, There's Something in the Barn, A Creature with Stirring. Oh my god. Are these all like just coming out on streaming? I believe so, yeah. Okay, cool. Damn, yeah, that's great. I I feel like uh, I'm starting to feel a little bit down once you get past uh, Halloween and like you feel like the scary movies are are kind of like over with, but uh, great that some of these holidays are having uh, their own revival of horror films. Yeah, indeed. This was the only one that was really on my radar, though, and I think it had a little bit of recognition uh, due to Michael Kennedy, who wrote the film and also wrote Freaky from 2020. And Tyler McIntyre, who directed Tragedy Girls in 2017 and a segment of VHS 99. He was a writer on Five Nights at Freddy's as well. I saw that, yeah. I was wondering how, how you felt about that, given uh, <laughs> <laughs> we were two big fans of that film. We, we will see how I feel about that. <laughs> Tell you what, man, not only did Michael Kennedy write Freaky, which was a take on Freaky Friday, he's now writing It's a Wonderful Knife, which is a take on... It's a Wonderful Life. Mm-hmm. There are just, there's a wave of these movies. Like, I've seen them called slash ups. Yeah. They're kind of like magical realism slashers or metaphysical type slashers, but they are kind of riffing on existing movies for the most part. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Freaky was Freaky Friday. Happy Death Day was like oh, yeah, those the other Groundhog's ones. Day. Yeah. This year's Totally Killer was like Back to the Future. Oh. You could oh, even say that. the final girls was kind of like a last action hero. Oh yeah, <laughs> another classic. Right, right. Oh, totally killer. That's where uh, she goes back in time, right? And uh, yeah. like in the seventies, eighties, and oh yeah, yeah. Wow, Back to the Future throwback. Yeah, what's going on? Are they trying to like insert slashers into every known genre now? Every pretty like, much. It's like any beloved movie where some sort of whimsical thing happens and a character can like confront their past or switch bodies or some sort of magical element to it they they make a slasher out of it damn that's crazy where do they draw the line on this like you think we're gonna get like titanics and stuff a slasher version of those i don't i think they might keep coming for a while man and and michael kennedy's he's right here in the thick of it he'd he's got this and freaky and then due in 2024 he's got one called called time cut Hmm. and i it's like time cop (laughs) Yeah, right. That'd be (laughs) amazing if they got Jean-Claude Van Damme to come back. Yeah. But the description is, a high school student accidentally travels back to 2003 and decides to stop the serial killer who murdered her sister. Huh. Isn't that like exactly the same? 
Yeah, that's very similar to like almost? two or three of these movies. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like it's basically the same plot <laughs> as a few of the movies we just mentioned. So yeah, I'm getting a little worried, man. We gotta we gotta pump the brakes on these. Me too, me too. We got like a serial writer who, uh, yeah, I don't know how much originality, how much credit I would give him. Yeah, he's kind of like trolling us at this point. And then Christopher Landed directed two of these. He directed Freaky and Happy Death Day. So it's like right. two guys are really at the heart of this this trend. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, w- I wonder uh, how well it's working. I mean, Freaky, I, I think I got the impression it did pretty well. Happy Death Day, I think, did pretty well at the box office. So maybe they're onto a formula that's like at least pumping out uh, some good money for them. Maybe. Well, actually, Freaky, They, I'm pretty sure they decided not to put in theaters, and they, uh, I think COVID got in the way of that one, and they put oh, it to right. streaming, and it kind of went under the radar, and I feel like they were kind of disappointed in oh. the way that one, uh, that release went. But I oh, think it's right. a great movie. I loved the movie. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, And yeah, I think it'll right. continue to gain traction as more and more people watch it. Sure. Yeah, I know you're a big fan of that one. I really was. Yeah. Next question. Do you think, both this and Totally Killer had this question come into my mind, do you think that films are starting to be intentionally aimed at younger horror fans or just accidentally because, like, we're both 40 now? Are we approaching the point (laughs) where, I got to imagine that we're still in the age range of a lot of writers are we? And directors? <laughs> I don't know, to tell you the truth. I don't think so. I, I, I'm yeah. under the impression that like uh, these movies have always been targeted at a segment, and we're just kind of like starting to phase out of that segment. We're not and in that target target market anymore? That's that's my hypothesis here. Uh, and these movies kind of like give me some kind of glimpse into what that target market looks like now. But uh, what, what do you think? You, you think, uh, I mean, like, these writers and, and directors, I, I assume they're like a lot younger um, than we are, right? That's a good question. I'm not sure of their ages. I, I kind of believe it's not crazy younger, but um, yeah, the, both this and Totally Killer just made me feel pretty old this year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so much of horror, uh, just going back, like uh, you know, all, all the way back to slashers. I mean, those those have always been like targeted at like teens and coeds, uh, younger people versus like how often do you see a slasher about like an older family uh, or, or or that yeah, it, more middle aged people. That's true. I mean, if any sub-genre within the genre of horror is targeted at a specific age group, it's slashers for sure. Yeah, yeah, right. Do you feel like as we older and, and watch them, uh, are you feeling like more disconnected from like being able to relate to the main characters then? I think um, sometimes, but then like Freaky, that felt like it was also targeted at a younger generation and had some quotes that maybe you wouldn't even get if you weren't in the younger generation that I probably didn't get, mm-hmm. but it didn't make me feel like, Oh, I'm not, I'm not in, in it anymore. Like I'm out of touch. I can't keep up <laughs> these last yeah. two have. And I, I just think it may have to do with the writing being a little bit better and freaky than in these two that certain things stand out when the writing isn't as good. Yeah. I also think freaky's plot, uh, was better suited to like kind of capture the generational divide. Just given yes. like you had, Vince Vaughn, like an older person, like playing the role of a younger person. So you, you could play to like both audiences very well that way. That's a very good point. And even the casting kind of played to a, yeah, you know, played to both, to multiple generations, you know, like, sure. hey, we're aiming this at younger audiences, but Vince Vaughn, you know, the the millennials <laughs> and the Gen Xers, they love Vince Vaughn. So yeah, we can get behind him for sure. Right. Do you, do you think Justin Long uh, here has like the same jaw with the millennials? Good point, man. Was it a similar strategy with just casting Justin Long and Joel McHale even? Right, yeah. 
I mean, I think the horror fans have come to uh, have a certain appreciation for Justin Long. He's got a lot of classics under his belt now. Barbarian, Drag Me to Hell, Tusk, Tusk. Jeepers Creepers, my <laughs> yeah. favorite. Yeah. Tusk. Um, yeah. yeah. I I think Justin Long is, is a fan favorite, and I think it's a, a good decision to put him in, in any horror movie. And he was a, a highlight of this for me. I liked his performances and... He's also playing, you know, above his generation, kind of like a boomer role. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's he's a stand in for us. Uh, yeah. I, I, I like him uh, a lot in horror. I, I think he's done some great work. Uh, I almost like didn't recognize him in this one. I think it's because, yeah, they, they made him look a little bit older than he actually is. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And do you are you a Joel McHale fan or do you have an opinion? Yeah, I, I generally like him. Uh, I, I liked uh, that show, Community. Uh, he was pretty funny in that, but um, I don't know. I don't know if you got like the same kind of comedic uh, element in this film that he that I know him for. His um, role you... in this isn't as comedic, right? Even though yeah. it's a, a comedy, horror yeah. comedy. Are you a fan of his? Yeah, I, I loved Community, and I liked uh, Talk Soup as well. Talk Soup. Uh, that was it's... just like a, his is like a TV show or something. Yeah, it was a show that he hosted on E. Oh, yeah. um, originally hosted by a guy named Jim Henson, or maybe it was John Henson, who was hilarious. Oh, okay. And then Joel McHale took over. Okay. Um, but it was just like highlights from talk shows, and then he would make fun of them. Yeah, got it. Even in the movie, or sorry, in the show Community, is he like that funny, or is it more like the ensemble around him? It's more the ensemble around him, but I do think it to play like the role of the quote-unquote straight man in a comedy, like takes some comedic chops on its own. So Sure. It does. I respect him for that. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes he just seems like a haircut, and I, I know like they make fun of him a lot in, in the community for being that. But uh, yeah, that does still take a, a certain personality to pull that role off. Sure, sure. Um, let's see. Rotten Tomatoes score has a 54% from critics and a 72% from users, and a box office of only 825000 It was released in theaters on November 10th to 923 theaters. Hmm. Seems a decent amount, but I don't think it was in them for very long. I feel like it was a pretty short window there. Yeah, I really wonder where it was released, because uh, I, I don't remember seeing it in any theaters around here. I wonder if it was just like independent theaters or something. Uh, yeah, I think it was just a quick blip, and then it began streaming on Shutter on December 1st. Cool. Yeah. Um, did you recognize Cassandra Naud from yeah. Influencer? It, yeah, yeah. Great to see her again. I feel like she's one of like, the breakout horror stars uh, for this year with Influencer and, and showing up here. But I don't know. Again, like I don't feel like she got like a lot of screen time in this one, unfortunately. No, she didn't. But I, you know, there are certain, certain actors who start popping up in horror movies, and I kind of I hope their stars continue to rise. And I, yeah. I think she's one of them for me. For sure. Yep. I'm a big fan. Not a whole lot of interesting discussion points or background info to bring up from my perspective on this one, but is there anything of note that you wanted to discuss? No, I think you hit everything uh, that I had. Uh, yeah, I mean, genre-wise, like, yeah, slasher. I think there was... I, I saw something interesting where the costume design on the killer from this film uh, was actually, like, like the, he wears, like, a white robe, or, like, the killer wears a white robe, and... Uh, I, I think it was like a, that was the costume design for the Scream Ghostface Killer, but uh, I think at the last minute they switched it to a black robe for Scream. So that, that was just something I, I didn't realize. Did you know that? No, I did not know that. Okay, well, it also might not be true too. It but. may not be true. Yeah, <laughs> it works with the snow. He's got like a little Christmassy vibe. 
Yeah. Um, some letter boxed reviewers pointed out the impracticality of wearing white when you're going to get covered in blood. Oh, yeah. I know. I mean, wearing white in general is so hard. And then, yeah, blood work. That's pretty messy. Right. Yeah, I can't. I can't do white. I'm just, I'm right. always getting covered in food. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's a real danger. <laughs> but the mask is so interesting. I, I assume it was just a bit transparent, and that's how the killer could see through there, because there's, <laughs> there's no eye holes, which is kind of a cool look. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, like, it's modeled off, like, a, an angel that would go on top of the tree. Is it, the, the person's called, like, the angel killer? Yeah. Did they say that in the movie or just in all the plot synopsis online? They called him the angel, but... I, I thought it's, like, mentioned in the movie, like, it goes on to become, like, the angel killer. And, like, okay. that's what, where it kind of, like, made sense. Okay, that's why he's, like, wearing white and stuff, but... Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It doesn't seem like a very functional mask. No, no eye holes or anything. And, uh, yeah, covers the face. Do you put a star on top of your tree or an angel? I got a star. What about you? Yeah. I've got a, uh, a, a little naked picture of you at, with wings. That's a... <laughs> I was wondering where that photo went. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the infamous wing photo, nude wing photo of 2008. <laughs> yeah. It's on Legends. my tree. Oh, okay. Okay. Good to know. Yeah. When it's in a good place. All right. Well, I'm just going to go ahead to the Ohio connection then. Our Ohio connection comes from our good friend, Alex. He always connects every movie we watch to our home state of Ohio, and he owns the Jukebox Bar and Restaurant in Cleveland, Ohio. So if you're a fan of good drinks and good food, swing on by Jukebox. And uh, Alex says, it's a wonderful knife. It's a slasher comedy film directed by Tyler McIntyre and written by Michael Kennedy. It is a spin on the 1946 Christmas film, It's a Wonderful Life. However, instead of the lead character recognizing his previous good deeds, the character Winnie discovers how many deaths she has prevented in her town. Writer Michael Kennedy has a limited filmography, having only co-written 2020's Freaky starring Vince Vaughn and the upcoming 2024 slasher time cut. Michael Kennedy is from Cleveland, Ohio. Whoa. Boom. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. He said that was the easiest one he's had in a while. (laughs) Yeah, that's great. Damn. Now, uh, yeah, I don't know how I feel about that guy now. Now I got a bunch of mixed emotions. I, me too. Does yeah. uh, It's a Wonderful Life, is that a Christmas movie for you that you watch frequently? Or You know, it's really cool. Every Christmas uh, around this like yeah, time of year, we, we go to uh, a live radio show kind of enactment that they do here. It's kind of like a theater production, but it, it makes it look like uh, they're like in a radio studio and they tell that story and you get to see like these actors like doing different voices and like coming on air and like doing these commercials that would have like played back in the 50s and 60s. So it's kind of a fun tradition uh, to, to go to and, and see that play out. Um, what about you? Are you oh, that's really it, neat. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a cool reenactment. But yeah, you, you watch that one? My mom really liked this growing up, and I, for some reason, always just left the room when it was on. Like, I was like, oh, this is black and white. Yeah. So I just remember it being on, but I never sat down and watched it until just within the past few years. And Oh, no kidding. Yeah, you, I really enjoyed it. Would you put it up there with, like, one of your favorite Christmas movies, or do you have a favorite? I think it's going to take a, quite a few rewatches to uh, to get up there. Yeah, I've got a few favorites. Um, some of them are really cheesy, and I've gotten more into lately. Mm-hmm. My two staples that have been staples for a while are Home Alone and Elf. Ah, nice. But recently, Classics. two cheesy ones we've fallen into: The Family Man with Nicolas Cage and Taylor Leone. Okay, yeah, yeah, I haven't seen that in a long time. Kind of likable. <laughs> really. And then this one we fucking love, and it is so cheesy. Me and my wife. Um, the Holiday 
with Cameron with Diaz, Vaughn? Kate Winslet. Oh. No, it's Cameron Diaz, Kate Winslet, Jude Law, and Jack Black. Oh, okay. I haven't seen that one. It's so hokey, but I, it's very likable. There's, there are some things about it that are really admirable. I think it's a pretty well-written story. Like, it's a cool script. Yeah. But Cameron Diaz is pretty rough in, in it. <laughs> oh, yeah? Like, in a fun way? No, like, just a not great acting and not very funny way. Mm, okay. For, like, the first half of the movie. Sure. And it is a comedy, like a rom-com or something? It's a rom-com, yeah. Okay, okay. Cool. Good good yeah. picks. I, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on like Home Alone for sure. That, that, yeah. That's a, that's a classic. You got any other ones? Uh, you know, we always watch like this, uh, The Grinch from like a few years ago, the animated one. I feel like that's a good one. Uh, and then uh, I feel like Die Hard is, is one I always watch like this time of year and I, I feel like checks the bill. Yeah, I wish I watched that one more. I think my wife likes it, but it's not something she's like itching to watch around Christmas. So, sure. Yeah. 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 Like animated Grinch. I might check that out with the boys this year. Yeah, great, great, uh, great production. Yeah, pretty good. I think that Benedict guy's in it, Cumberbatch. Oh, you watched that version, not yeah. the old one. Yeah, yeah. that one's good. Yeah. The the Cumberbatch one. We started watching that with the boys a couple of years ago, or maybe last year. Yeah. And then there was a scene where the Grinch was really menacing, yeah. and my son just screamed at us to turn the TV <laughs> off. He was freaked out, and that that was yeah. that. But he was like in tears, laughing. Oh but, man! Up until so we're just like, oh, that's a bummer. You were loving this, but yeah, got but, a little too scary. Yeah, we might try it again. Yeah. Hey, is, are there any horror films that follow like the Grinch? Because I feel like that he's a pretty menacing character and can be pretty scary. Yeah, David Howard Thornton, who plays Art the Clown, was in one. I want to say it was last year called The Mean One. Ah, oh, which no was way. a take on the Grinch. I didn't cool. see it, but okay. Yeah, maybe that'd be one to check uh, next out next to uh, Christmas. Yeah, yeah, I feel like we got to do one every year, and I, I feel like we've covered all the really well-regarded ones, like Gremlins and Black Christmas and stuff. Yeah. We oh, might have you... to take on some of the lesser-known ones. Yeah. Do you have a favorite horror Christmas film? I think it's Black Christmas, the original. How about you? Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say a tie between that and Krampus, but yeah, it might go to Black Christmas. Yeah, That's I mean, Krampus and Gremlins are like tied at second place. but Oh, yeah. Gremlins. That's yeah. a lot of fun. Cool. Okay, man. Um, I'm going to take a quick break. All this talk about other movies kind of has me wondering why we do a horror movie podcast. And I, Honestly, I'm just starting to wish we had never started this podcast. Can you just hold on while I oh, think no. about my life for a while? <laughs> sure. All go right. for it. I'll be right back. All right. Hey, man, I'm back. Hey, do you have uh, time to think about that? your decisions there? Oh, so weird, man. I had this whole vision of what the world would be like if we hadn't started this, and <laughs> we were both way more productive, we left the house a lot more, and we had thriving social lives. Oh, my God. That sounds it, amazing. <laughs> it, was, it wasn't bad. Yeah, but then ultimately you came back to this. But here we are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I saw the naked day. angel on the tree, which... Still existed in that timeline, and I thought, <laughs> you know, I miss Ashvin. Oh, cool. I'm gl- glad that could serve some purpose. Good, good. <laughs> That's great. Uh, all right, well, uh, here we go. Well, the plot run-through begins uh, with a commercial with a local real estate developer named Henry Waters, played by Justin Long, and his slogan 
is something like, I'm the best, fuck the rest. <laughs> right off the bat here, I'm upset. <laughs> oh, really? I, yeah. Th- this is going to be an Angry Brian episode. Nice. But it just feels like I don't understand humor anymore. <laughs> <laughs> like, can people no longer mine the realms of reality for humor? I've seen a few things recently where the humor is so absurd that it feels like some sort of sketch comedy show instead of an actual film. Like, sure. There is no world in which that would be his slogan. It's a tiny nitpick. Shut the fuck up, Brian, is what everyone's saying in their cars right now. But it doesn't even match the tone of his character. He's like this boomer, like polite on the surface, wily under the surface. Yeah. Why is that his slogan? Did we think that that would get a laugh? Uh, I don't know, man. I, I really got, like, Elon musk vibes from it. I, I don't think it's, like, that far-fetched mm. or, like, that absurd, like, for, uh, yeah, someone who's, like, a, a tycoon or something or, like, running this town to feel, like, so empowered that, like, hey, I'm going to do, like, some crazy marketing blitz that's, I, I know, going to, like, get attention. So I, I didn't think it was, like, too absurd and kind of fit. I, I thought it, like, fit his character pretty well, given what we see him do later in the film. Only because we have that absurd reality of Elon Musk. Does this, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you bringing that up makes me be like, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> it does yeah. make sense. There are kind of, yeah. You do have these characters out there who, who are pretty uh, ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, okay. All right. But I, I hear your point, too. Well, like, well I mean, done. Well done. Yeah. That was uh, the perfect thing to say to shut me up. <laughs> All right. So we meet our main character, Winnie, as her family is strolling down the streets of their small mountain town called Angel Falls on Christmas Eve. And we learn that her father, played by Joel McHale, works for Henry Waters. Henry, of course, wants her father to do a little bit of business on Christmas Eve. So uh, her father swings by a house with Henry Waters where an elderly man lives with his granddaughter. And they're attempting to convince him to sell his house because it's the last thing standing in the way of this major development that Henry Waters wants to build. And you get some kind of obvious exposition here. The old gentleman throws an insult in the direction of Henry Waters and a compliment in the direction of Winnie's dad, mm-hmm. uh, telling us, hey, here's the good guy, here's the bad guy, and he decides not to sell. The guy is now left alone at his house because his granddaughter, Kara, is headed off to a party where she meets up with Winnie, who we learn is her best friend. And... This guy's home alone. He hears a ring at the doorbell. He opens it to reveal a snowman standing at his front door. Then a killer in this angel outfit bursts through the snowman and slits the man's throat. What did you think of this first kill? I liked it. It came a lot quicker than I thought. I thought it was a, a, a great like opening hook, and it was like gorier than I thought uh, or was expecting. So uh, for me, it was a nice surprise and, and good first kill and nice uh, reveal of like the uh, killer's uh, outfit. So uh, I enjoyed it. What did you think? It was a little bit gory. This is maybe the goriest one of the movie because you really kind of see a vivid throat slit scene. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't really like it. I just thought that there was very little suspense. The snowman's there, and then it kind of looked bad when he burst through it Dude, the to snowman. me. Oh. There I've was a decent like amount that. of CGI in this movie that just didn't look great to me. Oh, uh, okay, okay. No way. That was CGI? Him blowing up through the snowman? I'm pretty sure. I mean, if not, they really executed that. (laughs) That thing burst into a million pieces. I'm pretty sure it was CGI. Ah, damn. If it wasn't, then then the filmmakers can get in touch and correct us. Sure. (laughs) Yeah, I I hear you on on the lack of suspense. Uh, I I think, uh, yeah, in lieu of the suspense, I thought the shock of the kill kind of made up for some of that. Just how quick it was. Yeah. Yeah. Ever surprise you how many things movie characters fit into their Christmas Eves? Like... 
Oh, we're walking down Main Street. Oh, now I got to do go do some business. Now we're yeah. headed to a, a party, high school <laughs> party. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I'm like <laughs> going to my mom's house, and that's it. And then <laughs> I know these people are productive on the day before Christmas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's, I I can't really believe. I, again, this is a nitpick, but there is this high school rager that Winnie and her brother and all their friends are at happening on Christmas Eve. I just yeah. find it hard to believe that parents would be like, okay, go have fun. <laughs> go get drunk at your high school with your yeah, friends. Like yeah, like my mom would be so pissed if I was in high school and was like, all right, I'm headed out. Yeah. Like, on Christmas, on Christmas Eve. Eve. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, Thanksgiving that's a- Eve, that's when we would party. Yeah, that's the biggest night of people going out, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a really good point. That that, that doesn't really add up here that uh, they, they would let them go out like that. Or even Christmas Day, like that night, I feel like mm-hmm. that was when it was like, okay, go do yeah. whatever. But Yeah. Christmas Eve is uh, time's out. I, I think Family so. Family time. Yeah. yeah. That's true. Hey, there's another trope going on here, which we often see in like Christmas films where like the bad guy is like this huge corporate uh, like curmudgeon, right? Like this yeah, greedy kind of capitalist. Yeah, the and, Ebenezer uh, Scrooge prototype. Exactly. I and I, I don't get it because like Christmas is probably like the most commercial holiday, and like it's all about like buying things, and, like giving gifts and stuff. How come these guys are always uh, made out to be these uh, villains? I think that's the theme of some of these movies: is hey, don't forget, Christmas isn't about the material things. But <laughs> but boy, oh boy, it really at this point we're long gone on that. Yeah, pretty <laughs> far from that. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I couldn't tell if uh, I should I should like this guy because he's kind of a visionary and like trying to transform this town and I'm sure like employs a bunch of people. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. Just feel like some of these movies go harsh on like the the entrepreneur sometimes. You're here to have the back of the capitalist. Yeah, you I mean, usually are. I try to <laughs> I try to give them an ear, you know. Yeah, I think uh, th- there's some good that they're doing. I, I think someone sent me a good article about like how Ebenezer Scrooge like single handedly ran that economy. And oh yeah, even in uh, this movie, uh, it's a wonderful life. Um, the main character is like a bank owner, like a credit right. union or something. So yeah, kind of pl- it talks about the role of like uh, banks and like supporting businesses and like the. The, the need for like uh, liquidity and stuff. So I don't know. I just don't think like it always has to be a bad guy. Okay. All right. Well, now we know how Ash feels about all this. Thanks. Wanted to get that out there. Movies do broadly insult the enterprise of capitalism for the most part without seeming to recognize that we do need it to some extent, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It, it makes the world go around. If you were, I will reveal that we are probably both a little more on the liberal side of things. I think all of our listeners have caught on to that, that we try to keep politics out of our mm-hmm. discussions. If you're a conservative, do you just have a hard time watching movies? I mean, so many of the stories oh yeah, really do have a, an agenda that could skew left-leaning politically. Totally. Yeah, yeah. It's like embedded in, uh, in holiday culture and everything. That's so interesting. Yeah, I would like even it. just say Hollywood culture. It's just the culture of storytelling even. I don't... Yeah, the rich guy being know. the bad guy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. so many stories just are kind of... Uh, and maybe it's not necessarily anti-capitalist. It's just like, hey, don't take it too far. Like, don't yeah. don't be greedy. Yeah, yeah. That's that's well that, like, Hollywood pushes that. Um, but then, yeah, I mean, obviously Hollywood's like a big moneymaker. So it, it does seem a little... Uh, uh, what's that word? Contradictory? 
Yeah, hypocritical, maybe? Hypocritical, yep. Yeah. For sure. All right, random diatribe. Anyway, so they're at this high school rager, and Winnie and her brother and her friends are hanging out. We see her best friend, Kara, uh, this old man's granddaughter, step outside, and then she gets attacked by that same killer, the angel, wearing a white mask and a white cloak, and she is killed. Winnie runs outside to help her, but it's too late, and the killer attacks Winnie. Winnie's brother comes and distracts the killer long enough for Winnie to get the upper hand. She grabs some random jumper cables that are sitting outside and electrocutes the killer. For me, those jumper cables came out of nowhere, and I could have used some (laughs) foreshadowing on those. That there were, like, jumper cables nearby? That there are jumper cables in the area. Yeah. (laughs) Sitting outside on a winter's evening. But uh, what did you think of this sequence in the kill? Yeah, that was a really fun sequence, like the candy cane kill uh, that that he puts to the throat, and like the veracity of uh, of him going around like taking out these teens. I thought it was it was a lot of fun. And then uh, yeah, I, I hear you on the jumper cables being kind of out of bounds here, but it made for a cool effect of him getting like shocked up and and, and killed. Uh, so yeah, I enjoyed it. What did you think? Oh, I just wasn't a fan. I yeah, I didn't like it. I didn't really like the sequencing or him kind of appearing underneath the. Uh, like oh. porch or deck or whatever Carol yeah. was on and stabbing on from up from under there. It just yeah. made no sense that he would be under there. Um, you know, like the tension that created with like a knife popping up? No, it just felt so generic to me. It just felt like something taken out of a page of Scream. Um, yeah. And it had no practical reason. Like, it was just like, oh, it would be cool if he was under there. So <laughs> let's make him disappear and then be under there. Yeah, yeah. It just felt... There was a few things like that in this movie that just felt forced. Sure. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, it definitely wears like it's uh, the, the the it's ripping off of Scream and it's like pretty obvious. Yeah, I, I yeah, agreed. Um, so after defeating the killer, Winnie removes his mask to reveal that it is none other than the local real estate mogul, Henry Waters, Ashwin's best friend. And we transition to the title card 16 minutes into the movie, which... Just seems to be a, tr- a modern trend that yeah. we're delaying that title title card. Now we flash forward a year, and we learn that Winnie's dad has taken over the real estate company in the wake of Henry Waters' death. Um, she's bummed that it's Christmas again because she's still mourning the death of her best friend, Kara, and obviously this is when she lost her. She learns that she didn't get into the college she really wanted to go to, and weirdly, Henry Waters' brother comes across her on the street and threatens to kill her for what she did to his brother who who was a cold-blooded killer i thought that was a very odd and unrealistic and unnecessary moment where his brother threatens winnie's life for killing someone who was trying to kill her and who had just killed her best friend Really? Even though, like, we saw this brother earlier on, and he's basically, like, a dick. Like, he's on, like, TikTok or something, and uh, just being, like, pretty obnoxious and ignoring people. I mean, uh, I feel like in this movie, you don't have a lot of respect for Henry or his family. No, so you I, don't. But it's a jump from obnoxious TikToker to... Death threats. <laughs> death threats and not understanding that his brother was actively murdering people. And, sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's a willful ignorance on that part. Yeah. Hey, uh, go, oh, going back to one thing, uh, I thought it was really interesting that they showed us who the killer was so early. Like, that never happens in slasher films. Right. Yeah, I think it's just the unique nature of this that she's going back in time because it kind of has another trick up its sleeve later. Yeah. Not going back right. in time, but exploring another timeline or universe. 
Got it. You don't give her props for like that, uh, like breaking the mold on a normal slasher film and like telling us who the killer is pretty early. No, not really. Okay. No props Fair. given by me. All right. None by Brian. <laughs> uh, so Winnie's feeling down in the dumps and to make things worse her family isn't at all understanding that this is a difficult time of year for her after she watched her best friend get violently murdered last year again this seemed unrealistic to me like her and her brother who seemed really tight he seems incapable of understanding how she just can't let this go like they say like just let this go like yeah, it just seems so obtuse and unrealistic that it's frustrating to me it does yeah but i mean they're like stuck in holiday mode so like uh yeah i feel like they're pretty disengaged from like the trauma that their daughter's experiencing sure uh again winnie goes to this raging high school party on christmas eve and at the party she discovers that her boyfriend has been cheating on her so this is uh her hitting a low point at this time in the movie she realizes she's got no school next year no boyfriend no best friend and it feels like nobody cares about her and she says, everyone would be better off if I was never born as she's gazing up at the Aurora Borealis, which is very rare to see in her town. Where Do we know where her town is? I don't think so. I, my impression okay. was like somewhere in the Rockies. Oh, okay. But I don't, oh. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I was just curious. After this, the Aurora fades and the town's power goes out. And she comes across a person who's dying after an attack from the angel. And she runs to get the sheriff and is surprised to realize the sheriff is Henry Waters' brother, the one who just recently threatened her life. He doesn't recognize her, and this is where we learn she's now in a world in which she was never born, just like the main character of It's a Wonderful Life. She also learns that Henry Waters is the mayor in this world, and that this is the killer's 26th or 27th victim. So in a world where she didn't exist to kill the killer, he's at large. Yeah. <laughs> just like tolerated by the town he pretty much the town yeah. killer <laughs> yeah um and we learn that her brother is one of the victims he is dead in this version of reality and Winnie heads back to this party this christmas eve party and learns that nobody here knows who she is she has a discussion with this girl named bernie who has been kind of framed as the school pariah in some earlier scenes and she's low-key convincing bernie like hey i exist in this other timeline somewhere in here there was an a kill with an axe that was maybe my favorite kill of the movie oh yeah outside the party i think one of the guests yes gets, gets taken down mm-hmm. uh anyway the two of them go back to bernie's house and it turns out bernie's got this stereotypical detective pepe silvia wall with newspaper articles and threads strung between pushpins trying to track down the killer and she tells winnie that all of the victims were from families that owned businesses in town the killer then attacks them and they escape but now it's clear to bernie okay i was suspicious that winnie might be the killer but she's not so she now trusts her completely believes her story and she's got this whole theory about it she says the aurora appearing in their town is super rare so that must must have something to do with winnie being here and she believes the spirit of henry waters sent winnie here and she's noticed that the aurora is waning, so this means that Winnie's window to get back to her normal life is closing. And at this point, I think they deduce that if Winnie kills Henry Waters, maybe she'll be able to return to her normal life. Mm-hmm. 
How in the hell does <laughs> Bernie know all this? That's a lot of conclusions to jump to. Yeah, yeah. There's there's very little logic like explaining any of the uh, yeah the, I, the mechanics of this film at all. I'm gonna add, like. There's a few moments where I was just like, I got, I'm going to have to ask Ashwin if I just totally missed something because there were a few moments in this movie where I was just like, what? Like, what are we doing now? <laughs> How'd you figure that out? Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah, I know. The, this rule, like, doesn't take uh, the rules of, of its, like, that it lays out uh, seriously at all. And I don't know. You got to give it some leeway because, like, we're kind of, like, in a fantasy uh, film. So uh, there, there's got to be, like, some uh, give for like yeah you, you can like kind of make up things as you go along but I, I don't know you gotta draw the line somewhere i guess yeah i mean i have i'm always forgiving of like supernatural-ish films because yeah that's what it is so you gotta you gotta have some weird reason it's happening but just to dump it all out and bernie's like hey i got an idea yeah um uh, just makes no sense yeah it yeah. seems like she like did some quick googling or something <laughs> um the two of them i, I don't there was a moment here where it was clear that like maybe Bernie was feeling some unrequited love towards Winnie. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't know if Winnie was starting to feel the same way or not, but were you picking up on a, a love story blossoming here? Yeah, it was really interesting. It was kind of like a mix of a love story slash friendship. Like, uh, and, and I kind of like that aspect. Like, it wasn't clear like is this romantic or not, or if it, it just felt like two people like connecting on a different emotional level without like putting a label on it, which felt very forward for me. How, okay, how did you feel about it? Forced, forced. You like <laughs> yeah. <it> was forced. <laughs> a little, a little bit, but yeah, I, I, I mean, think that that's a. I think either view is a little is valid. Yours is probably more valid than mine. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, 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 yeah. I mean, like they, they really uh, set it up. Like she's like the outcast, and then like obviously like she has like a she's willing to like kind of help uh, Winnie out. So. Uh, it's she's the friend like Willie when he needs, and I think like later on like there's a parallel between like their friendship and whoever the friendship is in It's a Wonderful Life between him and like an angel or something, right? Yeah, like will you be my Clarence or whatever? Yeah, right, right. So I don't know. I, I thought that, that that emotional core of the film, uh, and and their friendship kind of coming together, uh, I thought it had some weight for me, but you, you felt like uh, you weren't into it at all. I. It's not that I wasn't really into it. It was just kind of was like, it was just, there was so much crammed into this movie, so many ideas that it just kind of felt like one more thing. Like, wait, what? Yeah. Um, but yeah. So Winnie goes to her family home to try to enlist her dad's help to like figure out how to kill Henry Waters, I think. Something um, like that. <laughs> but her dad... I think she had tried this earlier, and her dad's just like, I don't know who the hell you are. Like, stop saying this shit. You're creeping me out. Because it's just a bit like, hey, I'm your daughter. Her aunt eventually lets her in the house when Winnie convinces her by telling her some embarrassing story about, like, a thong incident that happened sometime in the past. And <laughs> she's like, oh, okay. If you know that, come on in. Yeah. And uh, her dad quickly warms up to her and kind of opens up. She suggests to him that Henry Waters is the killer, but he's like, no, Henry Waters is my best friend. And he tells Winnie to get out of his house. It seemed like a jump to me that they would be best friends just because Winnie wasn't born. But, hmm. oh, well. Yeah, I feel like that gets explained a little bit later. Yeah, maybe. Anyway, on the way out, the killer appears and kills Winnie's mother, who is now in this world an alcoholic, adulterous 
mother and she's so, gone off the rails she's gone off the rails <laughs> mother, yeah <laughs> so uh the killer kills her and her lover he tries to kill winnie bernie and her aunt and they temporarily get the jump on him and they have to step over his unconscious body at the bottom of the steps to get out the door of the house this reminded me a lot of Scream 2 when they have to climb yeah. over Ghostface's body to get out of the car. In the police car, yeah. But like a thousand times less suspenseful to me. <laughs> For sure. I can't tell. Yeah. I, do you agree? Or I mean, I'm I'm clearly more down on this movie than you are, I think. I sense it already. But do you agree that this was just like, why is this even a scene where you're like, each one of them separately is standing on the bottom step like, ooh, ooh can I do it? And they step over him who is yeah. unconscious. Yeah. It's that's, not, it's just, yeah. That's why it was really frustrating to watch. And, like, the knife is on the ground. Like, any one of them could have just picked it up and ended the job here. But right. Like, like a, yeah, creeping around and, like, just, like, drive up the suspense. It is pretty hard to watch this scene. That felt very forced. I mean, in Scream 2, that they're in a tight car that is literally the only way is, like, they have to climb over him and be extremely vulnerable. Right. Here he is on the ground and you are above him. Just take a quick jump. Yep. And you're over him. <laughs> it was just, yeah. I was like embarrassed watching this. Yeah. This they, was forced. They all take their turns. They jump over. Winnie does, to her credit, I think, grab the knife. And then she unmasks the killer to reveal that in this world, the killer is her dad. And they reason out that her brother's Jimmy, her brother Jimmy's murder broke her dad. And that Henry Waters now controls him. And makes him kill to expand his empire. And that's why they're best friends, I think. Because Henry Waters, like, controls him? Yeah, he controls him to be his best friend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <right. laughs> yeah. Just wow. Like, wow. He, you know. Yeah. He went from yeah. being a loving father to a mass murderer. Yeah. It, just it doesn't really add up. It doesn't yeah. add up. Yeah, why would you befriend someone or fall into the control of someone who you know killed your son? Unless you didn't know that person killed your son, and maybe it destroyed you as a person, and now that person's, like, manipulated you, and it's, like, thinking, like, they can, like, somehow save you or help you get through, like, this loss. <laughs> you would think if they're like, hey, dress up in this outfit. By the way, I just happen to have the outfit of the killer who killed yeah. your son. <laughs> Sorry and, about that. And you would become yeah. a killer. But that's where that yeah. wasn't me. Yeah. <laughs> Some other guy. Yeah. More is maybe revealed on this later, but it's just confusing. Yeah. Um, anyway, her dad wakes up. They manage to escape. And they concoct a plan to lure him to the movie theater where Bernie works. He comes in and they manage to impale him. And uh, he's dead. And I can't remember quite how this scene played out. There was a camera that they were using to light the room. Oh, um, yeah. They did the flashlight. Yeah. Flashes from the camera. Right, which we've seen in a few other movies. I, I don't remember it being particularly effective. Do you? No. Yeah, everything here is, like, lifted from other films and done less well. Yes, agreed. Um, Bernie and Winnie consider things pretty much resolved now that they've killed her dad. And the two of them gather under the Aurora, and Winnie wishes to go back home, but she's surprised that nothing is happening. The two of them deduce that they still need to kill Henry Waters in order to get Winnie to go back home. Wouldn't they have known that all along because Henry Waters was the killer at first? Like, he is who killed her brother? Like, it seems like their mission was, like, let's kill Henry Waters and I'll be able to go back. Yeah. And they kill her dad, and they're like... Great, let's go back. <laughs> right, just, but it still didn't work. Yeah. Even, even I sitting there was like, um, no, you still haven't done the thing you said you were going to do. Yeah. Uh, 
I guess I was confused here because there's been so many movies these days about like alternate universes. Um, was it clear when she finds out the killer is her dad that uh, we know for sure, like even going back to like that those original kills a year ago, that was Henry Waters. It wasn't her dad going around killing. All right. The I mean, we could it could have theoretically been him. Yeah, in this the whole world, time. but that would mean he killed his own son. Yeah, which which would have been pretty dark and and interesting. But, but they uh, never he, acknowledge that, like, yeah, he I can't believe he killed his own son. It just yeah, it felt like there was a big gap here, like a, a hole. But um, yeah, but yeah, I guess they could have interpreted, oh, it was him the whole time and not Henry Waters. That's kind of what what I thought uh, when it revealed it to be uh, the dad. Like I'm like, oh, okay, in this universe, it was it was never Henry Waters. But uh, yeah, I forget how they tie it back out to like, yeah, when did they reveal that it was Henry at some point, and then it became her dad? Is that like when she confronts Henry Waters? I yeah, I think so. So here they basically go, they confront him, and he's got he's basically in the town square where a crowd of people have gathered, and he's like up on a stage. He's speaking, and he announces that he discovered his brother applied for a job in a different town. And seeing this as a betrayal, Henry murders his own brother on stage right in front of the crowd. Nobody seems phased, and we then get this vague idea that Henry Waters has the town under some sort of supernatural spell. <laughs> yeah. That was the moment where I was just like, I'm sure I must have missed a scene. Did no, I? Oh, yeah. No, that came out of nowhere. Like, nowhere. What, what the hell? <laughs> you could have just done this the whole time. <laughs> Put people under a spell. Why would you have to kill people then? Right? <laughs> right? You just put them under a spell so they sell their yeah. properties to you. Exactly. Exactly. And buy all your shit. Like, that, that makes a lot more sense than going around killing people or, like, killing your brother. Like, a, why don't you just put him under a spell and then he would never would have quit his job or, like, uh, yeah, applied for another job. I, I feel like maybe they mentioned somewhere something about him, like, learning that he liked killing people. I don't, I don't know. But they do learn that, and he does admit that, like, he killed some people. He says he, like, basically convinced, controls their dad to do it, too. So, like, was the dad mm-hmm. under a supernatural spell and that's why he was a murderer? Oh, His eyes been. weren't all green like these other people. Yeah, and remember the mom says, like, uh, you haven't, like, been yourself in, like, a year. Like, you haven't had your, uh, you've had a different look in your eyes for, like, the last year. Oh, that's true. That's true. So, yeah, maybe, maybe that, and, and that's why he was, like, defending him as his best friend. So, oh, shit, yeah, I think I think that kind of ties out uh, the, the dad's role in this and, like, why, why he's, like, such a big uh, defender of this dude. I wouldn't be surprised if a listener gets in touch and is like, hey... Or maybe multiple. Like, this is when you knew something supernatural was going on. Yeah. I also wondered if there was something supernatural about the knife that mm. was causing the spell. Because it's a wonderful knife. There was, like, a shot or two of this knife that was, like, pretty ornate. Oh, yeah. Good point. I got a feeling some stuff may ended up on the cutting room floor with this movie, though. There's some yeah. stuff that was just so haphazardly explained that Yeah. I wonder if there was more. I agree. I mean, I, th- I think they, they keep breaking their, their own rules like they're setting in this world. And uh, yeah, I think as an audience, you're just kind of like being whiplashed all, all around here. Yeah. Well, Henry attempts to kill them, but instead they kill him. And that breaks his spell uh, that he's got the townspeople under. And then the two of them return to the Aurora. Bernie confesses to Winnie that she was going to kill herself this Christmas if Winnie hadn't come along. And Winnie tells Bernie that she matters and the two of them kiss Winnie wishes she was born. She returns to her home and her loving family the same way she had left them. They apologize to her for not being more supportive. Um, 
as she coped with the death of her best friend. She prances through town joyously and yet another homage to its wonderful life. And then she suddenly realizes Bernie was planning to kill herself this Christmas, so she rushes to Bernie's house. But Bernie answers the door and reveals that she remembers everything <laughs> from that other world, which makes no sense. No sense. You seem really happy with this part. <laughs> At all. That that's Yeah. And the story ends happily ever after. Them going to brunch or something. <laughs> yeah, like with her family. How that just makes yeah. no sense that she would remember it too. Nah. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. I, I feel like the last like two thirds of this film don't make any sense. It just kind of dissolves into nonsense. Yeah. They just forget about like having any kind of logic uh, running through this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I didn't like this at all, to tell you the truth, man. Really? I, I think the comedy was not funny. The scares were not scary. The tone was off. The acting wasn't very good. Um, I, d- I did like Justin Long, and Joel- Joe McHale was serviceable. He didn't really have that much to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I thought the main character, or the um, Jane Whitup, she wasn't bad, but it almost kind of felt like she herself didn't really buy into what she was doing. Oh, yeah. I'm sure she was wondering what, what the hell was going on. It's <laughs> plot twist. Wait, <laughs> I do what now? These people are, why are they like this? <laughs> <laughs> so their eyes are You're green. Right? Yeah. Um, I just felt like there was also a lot of obvious exposition, like... Mm. lines just quoting exactly what was happening even though we still didn't really know what was happening yeah it just felt kind of lazy and uninspired uh yeah i don't know what do you think man uh yeah i, I mean i gotta agree with the uh, everything you said there the, i mean maybe the only thing uh i, I think there were, we said about justin long and joel McHale. i i don't feel like i particularly enjoyed their performances i feel like it was a waste of having those two actors in here and Cause yeah, usually those guys like uh, I, especially Justin Long, like I would have had high hopes for him, but yeah, I don't think he really delivered on this one. But I agree, like the the story doesn't make a lot of sense, uh, and there isn't like too much original originality at all here. Um, I did find though the relationship, like this, like as you mentioned, there's like so much going on. It, it's like junk. Uh, they're just like breaking rules left and right. Uh, it's nonsense. But I do feel like if you put all that away, the one thing that you can kind of ground yourself in in this movie is the Winnie and Bernie relationship. Like I feel like there's a powerful story here about like two people who, you know, in another world, like, weren't really kind of connecting with one another, like, come together here, don't really, like, put a label on it, it isn't, like, a forced, like, friendship or, like, love story or something, but it just kind of, like, organically evolves into, like, them, in a way, saving each other's life and coming out as friends at the end. So, I, I don't know, I, I kind of thought, like, there was, there was at least that element here of, of like, a, a friendship that you're grounded in, but uh, what, what do you think about that? Yeah, I, I think so too. I almost felt that the movie may have been better served by not focusing so much on the comedy and focusing on those two instead and the very serious sentiment of like wanting to kill yourself and wishing you were yeah. never born. Like it's a wonderful life can be dark at times. Yep. And it's the person truly wrestling with their existence. And in this one there is really very little wrestling with your existence. It's just like Oh, uh, everything sucks now. I wish I was never born. Everyone would be better off without me. But that's there's no reason for her to think that. That felt like kind of a jump because really after that day, like uh, her brother got a pickup truck. She got these pink pajamas. Uh, she her, her uh, she lost her boyfriend. 
Yeah, uh, I mean, it's a low point. The like, school thing. If I got pink pajamas on Christmas, that would be a low point for me, too. It's a yeah. low point in her life, for sure. But to, then to actually say the words, everyone would have been better off if I wasn't born. Mm. That's, That's not really her predicament. She's just having a rough go. It's not like she thinks the world yeah. is the worst place because she's here. That's true. Like, that's she true. killed the killer. She knows she did that. Yeah. It, so that's alone a bit of a jump in logic. So I don't know. I don't know that she's really going through it mm-hmm. in Getting the same way forced. that uh, Jimmy Stewart was in It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah. I, not necessarily forced, just a little confused. Yeah. How she um, got to that point. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's ho- it's holidays. I feel like people are can can, can be kind of down, and uh, maybe she feels like she's uh, like everyone's like trying to move on, but she's like stuck in this place, and she's like bringing other people down. So I don't I don't mm. know. Maybe uh, maybe yeah. It's a yeah. nitpick. Some of my stuff with this movie is is nitpicky. I'll admit it, but yeah. But no, I think you're right. Like totally. Like those are like some really serious themes, and uh, I don't think it plays well against the comedy. But uh, one counter there, I don't feel like it's very funny. Uh, it's, so it's not a funny movie. Yeah, it's trying it's, to be. <laughs> is it? Is it trying to? I, I couldn't tell what what was going on in the, like the second, and third half of this film. Like, uh, is it? Is this like going for comedy? It just seems like really bleak and sad in this like alternate uh, alternate reality. Like there's no yeah, power. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like that's true. It is. It it seems jokier towards the beginning. Yeah, yeah. There's a little bit more uh, good dialogue between like friends and stuff. Um, yeah. But then it's not then, quite yeah. serious though either. Right, right, yeah, yeah. it kind of falls into this weird, weird space. Uh, yeah, I think the tone is the tone is weird. Um, the plot is just a mess to me. It's it, on the whole, like the structure is relies on so many jumps in logic that that's bad. Mm-hmm. And then there's so much obvious exposition and explaining what's happening to the audience that it feels lazy. Yeah. It, I don't know. I, I don't have anything good to say about the plot. Yeah, and that ending of Bernie like somehow knowing like exactly what happened in this other world uh, is insane. Uh, yeah, and just like how do we have supernatural powers? Why would Henry Waters send her spirit to another world? Mm-hmm. Um, Why is there a car battery? I guess he was dead, so from the dead he was like... But he's wishing she was never born... She's yeah. wishing. I mean, I guess yeah. he. I would make sense that he would want to create a reality where she wasn't born. For his benefit? For his own benefit, because he would still be alive. Yeah. But then is he like an demonic angel in that world? Hmm. Yeah, because he doesn't really know her in that world at all. Like, I mean, like, if it was really his idea to send her there, then he would, like, have recognized her, like, oh, yeah, you're you're the one I sent you here that, like, isn't from this world. Maybe that's why he's trying to kill her. Did the electricity somehow charge the knife and turn it into some sort of superpowered? I have no idea what's going oh, on. Oh, interesting. I have no idea. <laughs> that's a really interesting theory. Yeah, I didn't even put that together. That uh, that knife uh, could have something from the car battery. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't think you can make a lot of sense of this film. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure if there ever was uh, a logic back there like that got cut out. I I just think it, you're right. It's lazy writing, and they're. Not giving the audience the respect I feel like they, they should be giving us. Agreed. Agreed. And then the kills, I, I think they're theoretically kind of creative, 
But in my mind, they just weren't executed with care for the most part. There's lots of CGI blood splashes, and mm. they kind of call it a day with that. There are a couple, like the axe kill and the one at the front door with the yeah. old man in the beginning that go into a bit more detail and seem a bit more vivid. The candy cane kill? Sure, yeah, that one was all right. But it was so fast. I just feel like there's a lot of like that same stabbing sound effect and then CGI mm-hmm. blood splash, and yeah, they call that a kill. But pretty much, <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah, not the only movie to do that, but it just it doesn't help. It, it's just one of the many mediocre things that is going on in this movie. Yeah, it really sucks that like there's nothing really truly unique about this film, and like everything's like borrowed and watered down from like uh, better films. Yeah, I mean, and I get that the core of the film is to borrow from It's a Wonderful Life, but it doesn't do so. It doesn't do anything new or fun with it, other than to add. A slasher element like <laughs> pretty much they yeah. really they just didn't there was no ambition <laughs> exactly. to do anything interesting well you know i i wonder if we should give it some credit for the twist uh because easily like i think my yeah my expectation was she goes into this alternate reality where she doesn't exist and yeah henry waters would have been the villain still like i think that would have been the easy solution and, and to just keep running with that but in this new reality I, I did i do think they put some imagination and thought into kind of building it like oh no now it's her father and like he's got like some kind of power so uh they pushed the envelope a little bit even though like the dots don't really connect so like if you weren't born the real estate mogul in your town would have gained supernatural powers yep <laughs> what's happening i don't i don't get this movie man i just don't yeah yeah i don't, I don't either but you know rich rich people got got uh, ways of getting things around them you know they, that's true with all those powers. resources he could have created yeah. a whole alternate universe <laughs> exactly exactly uh, uh yeah it's it's nonsense if someone else understands this film better than we do I'd, I'd love to hear an interpretation of it i would love to hear it as well but i also this is one where i can hear an interpretation that would explain it all but it still wouldn't wouldn't fix it like it's i think yeah. it's it's still a mess yeah not executed well at all yeah um, just like it's not nice to look at like the color is really drab that might have been part of the goal of like hey, oh, this man. alternate universe is depressing but yeah it's it just really like, is it's not a pleasant film to sit down in front of i know i know you don't like walk away from it feeling too great um also a waste of cassandra nod as a as a character like she's barely in this barely in it yeah 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 i agree um anything else you want to say <laughs> i think we shit on this one enough <laughs> yeah gosh I, we we did kind of poop on this one quite a bit yeah the costume design on the killer didn't uh yeah it wasn't very interesting it's cool in theory but it's also like kind of boring and uh, not yeah. scary right yeah not very scary yeah there's something about white that like uh yeah some, someone dressed in all white that isn't like terribly frightening yeah agreed um all right let's see just looking for a rating scale here let's see zero to five glowing green eyes what do you give this movie uh, i think i give it one and a half glowing green eyes i think uh you know it, it does deliver some uh mediocre kills sorry it does deliver <laughs> some <laughs> mediocre kills but uh yeah ultimately it feels uh pretty unnecessarily heavy and bleak for uh i think what otherwise could have been a fun slasher I, yeah i mean i feel like slashes should be fun and this movie kind of missed out on that part. So not a fun watch, but what about, what do you think? 
Agreed. I give it one out of five. Uh, what did I say? Glowing green eyes. I think a confusing, unclever script leads this movie on a downward spiral. The scares lack suspense and the jokes do not land in what is ultimately a lackluster horror comedy. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. really is. Boy, I just didn't... And it's one of those movies that it's so bad. I feel like all my criticisms of it just sound so unintelligent. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, the script is like factually a mess, right? Like it's a, it is, yeah. It's illogical. Yep. Even the character's journey, like she doesn't really, what she learns by going back into the past is that she more matters. people died. Like I matter because I killed the killer and I stopped the murders. Mm-hmm. She learns that right away. She yeah. never learns anything else about why she matters or what her value is. She only develops a relationship with Bernie. Yeah, but I think in that relationship, uh, she matters. And I, th- sure. I think that's like one of the cool sentiments at the end where like they're talking about like which one of them is like the angel that's helping who. So uh, I thought that was like a cool play on like, yeah, her realizing that she matters uh, not only for like saving this town from this killer, but also for like saving Bernie from killing herself. Uh, so it's I I, I don't know I th- I think there's some some like emotion in in meaning there, right? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I just wish her journey had been a little more a little more clear cut. Yeah. Yeah. Same. Uh, yeah. I, I I wish that they, I wish there'd be like be a little bit more originality in, in some of the kills or like the uh, sequences uh, that could have been a lot more interesting yeah uh, it's just like it's a wonderful life has such a powerful like mm. message and uh like so cathartic it's just like you you could have done something great like you focus more on that part of things but right you don't think a lot of the same criticisms we're applying on this film uh apply to freaky because uh, i mean that's also like a you know a lot of fantasy like supernatural rules like kind of changing here and there uh i i, I don't know like in, written by the same guy i feel like you could find like similar types of uh critiques of that one i think that one was pretty clear with its rules and how things happened and it was funny like it was funny and yeah. much uh, i think the script was way better like hmm. a, a drop in quality from michael kennedy on this one in my mind but also yeah. vince vaughn's delivery just he nailed it he was perfect for that role yeah i agree I agree. Yeah, something about that story just works a lot better, and yeah, the comedy was definitely better felt. It did. The jokes, the jokes were better written. The whole premise was better, and Vince Vaughn and Catherine Newton were better, better performers. And they both yeah. each had more chances to shine. Like I did think Justin Long had a good performance in this, but he mm. really he wasn't even in it that much. I like, know. Um, yeah, yeah, and then even Jane Whitup, it's she did a decent job, but it. it there wasn't a whole lot here for her to like wow us with. Yeah, not like some huge like emotional journey or anything. Yeah, strangely, like it. It and your counter argument to that is like, well, she like realized she saved yeah. people's lives. She <laughs> fell in love. Like she saved this woman's life by falling in love with her. And it, yeah. I think it's just hard to buy into the emotional journey that she's on. Is the the thing like it's there? It's just hard yep. to get on board with it. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I, I got that emotional journey more from, like, the plot and, like, reading, like, what happened versus, like, her actual, like, portrayal of someone going through that and, like, sure. coming t- to those realizations. Like, yeah, it never felt like she had a moment to do that. They also just, like, met at a party and have known each other for, like, six hours or something. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Pretty rushed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
that's okay. That, that's all movies, I guess. Yeah. Uh, all right. Anything else? Any other poops to take on this movie? Uh, nah, I'm all out. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll clean out there. <laughs> all right. Well, that has been our discussion on... Uh, boy, what a bummer of a holiday episode. I know. <laughs> that has been our discussion of... It's a Wonderful Knife. Uh, if you hated it or loved it, go to horrormovieclub.com, click on the social links drop down, and get in touch with us. There's links there to Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Those are also places where we're going to tell you what we're covering next week. And I'll just tell you right now, I think next week we're going to do our Top 10 of the Year episode, which is always fun. And uh, our, there's also a link there for our Discord server, so you can hop on and talk with other horror fans and other people who listen to the show. Our logo is done by Amy Mae Popart. Check her out on Etsy.com. Uh, go to patreon.com slash horrormovieclub. If you want to support the show financially for a buck a month, uh, you can get a bonus episode. Uh, trying to do that every month. And let's see. Until next time, if you ever wish you were never born, just contact that one weirdo from your high school and you'll find out that they've got it much worse than you and you'll have a renewed sense of self-worth. <laughs> really puts things in perspective. <laughs> really be thankful for those. That losers. was her character journey. <laughs> yeah. like, whoa! Wow. Bernie's sucks. <laughs> really in it. I'm doing all right. Yeah, yeah. It's not so bad actually. I'll go on a few dates with her and then I'll get out yeah. of this. It's a lot better. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, and uh, Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas, everybody. Happy Hanukkah. Happy holidays. Yeah. Happy uh, festivals. <laughs>